0: Let's turn to the scriptures. We're looking at the Old Testament this evening and to the book of Psalms, departing from Second Samuel for a week here. And we're looking at the book of Psalms and Psalm 56. Psalm 56. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O Thou Most High. What time I am afraid I will trust in Thee. In God I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together, they hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have i put my trust i will not be afraid what man can do unto me thy vows are upon me o god i will render praises unto thee for thou hast delivered my soul from death will not thou deliver my feet from falling that i may walk before god in the light of the living amen we thank the lord again for this reading of his word let's ask the lord's help our father as we bow before thee now we pray for thy presence, and we pray, Lord, for an inspiring thought to our hearts from thyself. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt help us to overcome all of the difficulties of our lives, the temptations which surround us, the enemies, Lord, not only of those who are without, but the enemies that are within, even our own nature, our own sinfulness, Lord, our own failings. Lord, there may be those who are against us. But Lord, we find that our greatest enemy is self. And Lord, we pray that thou wilt give us victory. And we thank thee that through the Lord Jesus Christ there is victory. And as we think upon these things tonight, we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst encourage us in the way. Bless our souls, we ask, and help us this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take as a text the last verse of this psalm. For thou hast delivered my soul from death... Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? It occurs to me in the reading of this psalm, as you may have picked up in uh, my prayer just there, that not only are the, uh, our men against us, as the psalmist says in the first verse, For man would swallow me up, he fighting daily oppresseth me, mine enemies would daily swallow me up. And they they be many that fight against me, O their most high. But also man, if we consider man as being the old man, as it is spoken of sometimes in the New Testament, the old nature, that old man, that which we used to be, that humanity which is fallen and which is uh, redeemed by the blood of Christ, by uh, the fact of a propitiation for our sins, of a justification, uh, a legal uh, declaration by God. The Lord has not made us perfect in this world uh, by our salvation, but he has made us perfect in his sight by our salvation. And we understand and realize, uh, even as Christians, if you know the Lord here tonight, that we still fail, we still fall, we still stumble. And here the psalmist sums up this psalm with these words, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living, in the light of those who are around us, that they also might see our, our victories. And we all desire, if we are Christ, to walk in victory. We, we desire to walk in righteousness. As we will see, uh, the Apostle Paul says a similar thing, and we will come to look at that verse at the proper time. And so my thoughts really tonight are about this battle between the old man and the new man. We are to put off the old man with the deceitful lusts. And we're to put on the new man, which after Christ is renewed in righteousness and in holiness. And here the psalmist desires this same thing. I've said to you before, I think uh, when Rebecca uh, um, was pregnant with Jacob and Esau, Uh, that she wondered what was happening. If it be so, she said, why am I thus? Why is there this battle going on in my womb? If I am to have children, if I am to bring forth uh, children to this family, then why is there such a struggle going on? And we might have that same question before the Lord. If I am saved, Lord, if it be thus that I am saved, why do I have so much trouble? Why do I have so many struggles in my life? Why do I find that I desire to serve God, but the old nature just seems to be too strong for me and draws me back into the world? That I desire to read the word of God, and yet there always seems to be something else to read or something else to do. I desire to pray, and yet there always seems to be something that stops me from coming to the place of prayer. Why are these great battles going on in me if I am truly thine? And of course the devil then will come, or at least uh, the the suggestion will come to our minds that, well, that's because you're not really saved. Of course, uh, the suggestion will be that there is no salvation for you, or perhaps there is no salvation at all. And uh, we can be uh, brought low by such thoughts. So I want to consider this with you. Under these three heads, first of all, the life we have obtained. Secondly, the lameness we have retained. And thirdly, the liberty that we have gained. The life we have obtained. Well, there is a tyranny in death, isn't there? We know that death is one of those things which is certain in this world, uh, except for that last day when uh, the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain will be caught up with them Uh, then death is not certain for them, but they will be uh, with the Lord. But still they will be transformed from the one kind to another. Uh, We will be no longer uh, human in what we understand to be fleshly human, but we will be transformed that we may be like Christ's glorious body. So there is still a a, a kind of a transformation, a kind of a, a, a death there, even in that thought. But there is a tyranny of death which comes upon us. As one once said, there are two things, certainly in life, death and taxes. And we know all about taxes, I'm sure, uh, in in our lives. But death is that which faces us all. And we don't know when. Uh, We might be coming to uh, the tail end of our lives and we think, well, it's obviously going to happen at some point. But we don't think it's going to be tomorrow. And we don't think it's going to be next week. And we don't know when it will be. Uh, We could last uh, uh, another 10 20 30 maybe even 40 years and uh, we are thinking to ourselves well we, we really don't know but we do know this that at some point death will come and death has reigned hasn't it in Romans five fourteen, the Apostle Paul writes nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come he is making a particular argument here. All I want to redraw really from the verse, and it's not taking it out of context really. It is a statement which stands by itself. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. And what he is saying there is concerning his argument. But death reigned and still continues to reign. Because it always has the power to take any of us. And we know that it is coming. And it's a It's a tyrant. And we know that people uh, are often so afraid of death and things can be done, of course, not necessarily their own death. There was a question came up last night in our young people's meeting uh, about uh, a a, a scenario which was dreamed up. Somebody's watching too much television, I think, but the scenario was that someone takes you and they they say you must do this. And if you don't do what we say, we're going to kill your family. And what do you do in that situation? Well, because when we are facing death, then it may not be our death. Uh, and I don't know what your uh, morose moments may be like, but I've certainly thought about it. What if that did happen? What if it was my children and they are saying, you'd better recant Christianity. you had better become something else than, than you are or else your family is going to die. What do I do in that situation? And death is a tyrant is a fearful thing and stands before us. But nevertheless, uh, there is also the, something we can say concerning the tyranny of death, uh, and that is that the Lord has given us life. He is, uh, we have obtained life, and indeed we have la- obtained life through death. It was through the death of Christ upon the cross of Calvary that life was given to us. And indeed, also the apostle argues on a number of occasions That the life that we now live, we live through death. We live, first of all, through the death of Christ, but we also live through our own death. I die daily, the Apostle Paul says. And he says, the life that I now live, I live by the Son of God. And we are trying... Or we should be trying to put to death the old man, that old nature, that sinfulness which, which pervades everything that we do. We are seeking to put it to death so that we might live a life of righteousness, so that we might live the life of Christ, that we might live uh, in, in honour of his name and seeking to be made conformable to him. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, where we read earlier, it says we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You see, he is, he is, he is dying under all of the pressures which are, are, are seeking to destroy him. But in all of those things, the more his flesh is put down, the more his spirit comes up. The more he is able to keep under subjection the old man, the more the blessing of the new man is manifested. And he delights in it. He goes on, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That is, now, that's what the, apost- uh, what the psalmist is saying. That wilt thou not deliver my fo- feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. That I may walk before God now. You've delivered me, I will be going to glory, I will be with you. But can you not also, not only deliver my soul from death, but also deliver my feet from falling, so that I can walk in righteousness, <coughs> The Apostle, though, goes on in 2 Corinthians and verse 12, uh, 4 and verse 12, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. So the way to the resurrection, of course, is through death. You can't be raised again unless you've died. You cannot have a part of the resurrection of Christ unless you know the death of Christ. We have to have the one before we can have the other. The apostle in Philippians says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable unto his death. We need that death. Now, death is a tyrant and death is something which people fear. But for the child of God, we should be seeking to embrace the death of the old man, that we might also embrace the resurrection of the new man in Christ Jesus. And we see then that we uh, obtain a life. And when we think about death, we think also of the totality of its defeat in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 the writer says for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage that he might destroy him that had the power of death not the power to kill you That's not what it means, I don't think. But the power of death in the fact that sin bringeth forth death. sin when it is finished, as James writes, bringeth forth death. And so sin in all of its forms is a kind of a continuous death. It is working towards death. It is a corruption which brings us to death. It is a disease like leprosy which leads to death. And the devil has the power of those things to bring the temptations before us, to set things before our eyes that will draw us away from Christ, to suggest things to our minds so that we don't trust in Christ. And so he has that power of death, and it's all destructive to bring us low. But Christ, through death, destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And delivers them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now we are glad when those old things are put to death and we live in Christ. And there's also in this totality of its defeat not just the reason, which is that Christ died to that he might destroy the power of death, the devil, but the revelation of it. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-five, speaking of the resurrection. The apostle writes, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ Jesus hath pinned the law, as it were, nailed it to his cross, taking it away, the handwriting of ordinances against us. So that in the sight of God we are justified. In the sight of God, we are without sin. And yet, still we struggle with that sin. As the psalmist says, Thou hast delivered my soul from death. Will not thou deliver my feet from falling? So we move from the life that we have obtained, and that is a very real life, uh, so that we cannot be overthrown, but then also to the lameness which we've retained. The lameness which we've retained. It reminds me of the man of Bethsaida that the Lord Jesus took from the city because of the unbelief of the city, a man who was blind, a man that Jesus took by the hand and led him out of the city from all of the unbelief, from all of the corruption and the uncleanness that was there. And he brings him aside, and we read this in Mark's Gospel in chapter 8. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him he asked if he saw aught and he looked up and said i see men as trees walking after that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly that kind of reminds me of the, of the situation of salvation. Where the Lord puts his hand upon us. He causes us to see. But we don't see everything clearly. We see through a glass darkly, as the Apostle Paul also writes. We see through a glass darkly. So we, we kind of see. We, 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 we've got the, the comprehension of what is there. Because this man says, I see men as trees walking. So he have a comprehension that they are men. But they, they, are, they are fuzzy. They are out of focus. He can't see them clearly. And I think that often as a child of God. We might see things but not really see them clearly. How do we actually uh, obtain that which we, which we follow after? How do we actually do that which we desire to do? The Apostle Paul gives a similar uh, question. In Romans chapter 7. He says in verse 24 of that chapter. O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death. And the body is speaking about his body. He's talking about the flesh. And so often as I've said before. And I, I, I really think we need to get hold of this idea. That it so often is the actual flesh which is the problem. It is the, the um The kind of uh, things which are released by the brain, which make us feel good. Uh, Those feel-good factors, adrenaline and so on. It is actually the flesh, so that we have excitement over one thing or another. The dopamine is is released, uh, and the pheromones are released, and it's the actual flesh itself which is drawing us after something or after another thing. There is a, a real difference between that which is fleshly and that which is spiritual. That which is spiritual, that which is a, uh, is given to us by Christ, which uh, uh, is resurrected indeed from the dead, for we were dead in trespasses and sins, that can objectively look at situations and say, no, that is not right. We have the law of God and it, it, it is... Gladness to our hearts. We accept the law. For us it is not grievous as John writes. So it's not grievous. We agree with the law. We see the law. But the flesh desires those things anyway. And so powerful are those influences upon our bodies. That we follow after them. Even though we know in our spirit that those things are wrong. The Apostle Paul makes that particular argument. In Romans 7. So just to read this, and it is written in in such a way which is very hard not only to translate but even to read in Greek, uh, because it's not very much different to the authorised version in the way that it is written. Uh, There are paraphrases, and I read one of those today, but it was... Uh, it was almost a sermon rather than what the Bible said. So uh, I've uh, restricted myself from that. But we'll try a free translation uh, as we read through these verses. Romans 7 and verse 15 might be helpful if you have your Bible just to look at the verses yourself. And I'll try and read them slowly and see if we can take it in as we go through. The apostle then says, for that which I do, I allow not. That is, I do things against my will I don't want to do them but I find that I do them anyway and he goes on for what I would that is what I will to do I don't do it but what I hate that I do what I hate I hate it and afterwards I look back and say why did I do that why was I taken in that direction when I actually despise that very thing I really hate that very thing it, it it makes me sad it makes me grieve and yet i find that i still do these things he goes on verse 16 if then i do that which i would not the word would the word will uh, are, are the same connotation there so if i then i do that which i do not will to do then i consent unto the law that it is good i agree with what god says I can see spiritually that what God says is true. But I find still this law in my members, that is in his flesh, that I really desire it. And the more I try to, to resist that temptation to go after those things, the more I desire it. And it seems that it's impossible to, to resist that, that pool the flesh has upon my mind. But I agree with the law of God. And I agree also that if God were to judge me for it, that he would be right. But how do I overcome it? He goes on then in verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it. That is, it is not him as being raised in spirit in this new man. Because the new man agrees with the law of God. It judges those things and says those things are wrong. But he says, sin dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, verse 18, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would or I will to do, I do not. But the evil which I would not do, I do not will to do, that I do. Now, if I do that, which I would not, or I do not will to do, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So, really, in this thought of the lameness which we've retained, it is the vestiges of sin. It is that which continues with us. It is this flesh. And of course, what we know is is that one day death overtakes us and we die, and we will have a new body, as Paul writes in First Corinthians fifteen, a new body. And in that new body, all of those old lusts and those old desires and all those uh, things which draw us into the unclean and that which is wrong, all those things will be, wrong, will be done. We won't have the, the raising of the ire. We won't have the raising of the lust. We won't have the, the desires after those things which, which uh, uh, God forbids. Not only will we agree with what God says, But we will delight in what he says. It will be our delight. And that same passion that sometimes arises in us for that which is wrong will be the passion that we have for that which is right. We will have the same delight. We will have the same joy. We will have the same elation which we might have. uh, That that same rush as as the world would say of some of the things which we ought not to be doing. But we will get those things from the blessedness of walking with the Lord. You see, it's not the only way that we might know joy. In fact, the joy of the Lord far, ex- far exceeds the, the, the happinesses and, the, and uh, to use the word again, the rush of, of uh, some experience in this world. To know the joy of the Lord surpasses all of that. And that is what we seek. So the vestiges of sin stay with us, but there is a vanquishing of sin also. The Lord is working in us to overcome sin. This is a work which is termed uh, theologically the work of sanctification. It is the work of making us more like Christ and less like the beasts of the earth. It is to draw us heavenwards and to bring us to a more spiritual understanding and a more spiritual power also. But sometimes uh, the Lord uses different methods. Sometimes it is uh, from our understanding of the scriptures and uh, and, uh, those easier things, perhaps, we are able to put off. The more difficult, the besetting sins are the ones which the Lord has to deal with. So we read in Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And really what, they, what, what the preacher here is saying is, when those chastisements come, fix your eyes again upon the target Fix it again upon your destination. Turn back to that which is good and right and you know is true and follow that way. You may have been drawn off, but we can always see the light in the distance. Go back towards the light. We think of a ship perhaps coming in to shore. And it used to be there would be uh, a lining up of lights. I don't know uh, if this is still done, probably is in some way or other, perhaps uh, using radar or the like, uh, or some kind of global positioning. But it used to be that two lights would be set, one behind the other, so you would know the line to take in. And you would bring those two lights and you'd keep on moving until they came into line, and you would know that that's where you needed to go. But of course there's a wind, and there are waves. And so there's a tide which draws the boat off to one side or a wind which takes it off to the other side. And we have to readjust. We can still see the lights, but they're apart now. We need to come back round until they come into into line. And that's what we need to do. We need to keep our eyes upon the light. What is the light? Well, the light is the Lord. Keep our eyes upon the Lord. Always come back to him. And we might be away off. We might be able to see the lights like this. And we have to come around so far until they come into line. But nevertheless, we can still see the way to go. Because the Lord has given us those instructions. Let, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Sometimes we think, well, I'm so far out of the way, I'm never going to get back. What can I possibly do to get back once again? But the Lord has promised never to leave those who are his And there is a way back. So we see this vanquishing of sin, first of all, in the work of God perfecting us, but also in the work of God protecting us. The psalmist says here, thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling? Now there's two things that we could say here. First of all, we could say that the psalmist is asking God, will you not deliver my feet from falling? Or you could say that the psalmist is encouraging himself and saying, if he's delivered me from death, will he not also deliver me from falling or from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? And we put my, whenever it comes up to those things in my uh, understanding, but it's best to take them both ways. Consider them both ways. First of all, will God deliver our feet from falling? Can that not be our prayer before the Lord? Lord, you've delivered my soul from death. Lord, deliver my my feet from falling, from stumbling, that I may walk before thee in the light of the living. And for ourselves, we can encourage ourselves and say, well, God has done this. He has done this much. Then he will do, do more. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things you see this is a complete package when when god chooses us when he calls us he not only chooses us he not only elects us but he calls us to christ and he justifies us and he sanctifies us and he glorifies us and that is what the apostle argues in romans in chapter eight so there is a protection for us and there's a wonderful verse which could so easily go with this one. It may even have been in the, in the writer's mind from Jude. And we often use this as, a, as a, the closing words of a prayer. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Let's dedicate our hearts and our lives to him. And seek him that we might have freedom which brings us to the last point the liberty we've gained the liberty that we have first of all is that we have a fellowship with god for though we may be still in a situation where we lament and mourn over our sin and say who shall deliver me from the body of this death i thank god through jesus christ nevertheless we do have this this wonderful uh, blessing of fellowship with god we're able to speak to him the Lord Jesus in John 11.10 says. But if a man walk in the night. He stumbleth. Because there is no light in him. But for every child of God. There is light in him. And um, we are not stumbling in the night. We should not let that day. Uh, as uh, we read in, in Thessalonians. We should not let that day come upon us. Uh, like it comes upon the world. Well we are not of the night. We are of the day. We, we, we are to be ready. And. We're not walking in the night, we're walking in the daylight. The lights uh, that we were mentioning before can be seen by us. We have seen Christ, as it were. We see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus. And therefore, we seek to walk toward him. In Ephesians 5.8, it says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You were sometimes darkness. For man walk in the night, he stumbleth. You were sometimes darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And John again in First 1 John 1, 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. What a wonderful liberty. Now we may fall and stumble and we may be overcome. And we may wander out of the path and we may go off, uh, as Bunyan puts it, into Bypath Meadow. But there is a way back for us. And there is a cleansing for us. Or every sin. And the Lord is there to to redeem us from our sins and justify us. But oh, that our desire might be that the Lord would deliver our feet from falling. I remember those words which Samuel uttered to Saul after Saul had refused to carry out the work work of God and uh, uh, Samuel said to him to obey is better than sacrifice to hearken than the fat of rams it's better to walk in righteousness than it is to come to the Lord and say Lord forgive me for not walking in righteousness it's always better to do that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord and that which is pleasing in his sight than to come and to say Lord I'm sorry that I didn't do So let us strive after masteries and victories. We see this wonderful fellowship with God then. And the fullness of his grace. Quoted this verse a couple of times already. But he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We have this this wonderful full grace. Not just that we are considered righteous and that's it. God doesn't need to touch us anymore or be with us anymore. But there is a fullness of this grace. Everything is given to us in Christ. We have access to it. We have access to forgiveness. We have access to the Spirit of God. We have the access to victory. Let us take hold of it. Let us gather it into our arms. Let us say we have fallen, as it were, into a a great hoard of treasures. Let us gather them together and rejoice in the presence of the lord for they are freely given and then finally the liberty that we have gained is a liberty which ends finally in glory we finish in glory just turn to revelation chapter 21 revelation 21 if you have your bibles there Revelation 21 and verse 10 there we read and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and he showed me that great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious even like a like a jasper stone clear as crystal going down to verse 22 and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nation of them, nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the, the glory and honor of the nations unto it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Finishing in glory. Oh, we are not to turn aside and give up. We are rather to turn to the Lord, that our, we make straight paths for our feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed.